Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us. OutKick 360 rolls on final hour of the Tuesday edition. We've been talking SEC Media Days and more. We're here in Nashville. 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We'll check back in. Uh, in Atlanta in about 20 minutes or so. Clark Lee, head coach of the Vanderbilt Commodores, will join us. Right now, though, the SEC's all-time leading passer is Aaron Murray, former Georgia quarterback, joins us on OutKick 360. Aaron, we appreciate the time, man. Hope things are well. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's always nice when I see me days are in Atlanta. I live about 15 minutes or so from that Hall of Fame. So quick trip back and forth. It's been a, a good start. Uh, I guess not as exciting as it was last year with uh, Nick Saban's comments about obviously how much his quarterback was making and then the uh, the massive news of Texas Oklahoma joining but we're only on day two so a couple more days so you never know what could happen but I uh, know it's been great so far you guys have a, a cool uh, players lounge kickoff party that's taking place this weekend uh, at the college football hall of fame yeah we're excited we got I think 60 70 of the top student athletes uh, from five universities here in the southeast uh, Clemson, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia. Uh, I also have two more events, at, and one in Austin and one in Oklahoma for those schools out there. And super excited! It's going to be a fun day of just a fan and player engagement. Uh, we'll do at, you know certain you know different activities at the Hall of Fame for those who've never been to the Hall of Fame here in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. It is an awesome place uh, to spend the afternoon with with your kids, with your friends, your loved ones, whoever. And like I said, we're going to have some of the best athletes in the country there just hanging out, having a good time. You can compete against them in uh, quarterback challenges, kickoffs, Madden tournaments, pool tournaments, uh, and some other events throughout the day, food, drink, all that. I got some really cool uh, guest speakers as well. So uh, make sure you check us out at the Players Lounge and you can get your tickets to the event. It should be a, um, an awesome afternoon this Saturday. And we're retweeting the information at Outkick360 there if you're uh, interested in the event in Atlanta. Aaron Murray, our guest, uh, the top quarterback in so many different categories in Georgia history. I wrote a column a couple weeks ago, Aaron, about Stetson Bennett, and I said that all of these season previews, looking ahead to what 2022 will be in the regular season, I, I said if, you're, if the number one storyline, not just in the SEC, but nationwide, isn't Stetson Bennett with the chance to repeat as a national championship winning quarterback? I mean, that doesn't happen often. Because the guy normally goes and wins a title and then he's in the NFL the next season. Here's Stetson Bennett with a chance to go back-to-back and the backstory that he has to get to the moment that he had last year. He's still overlooked, and I don't understand why the country isn't behind that story. It's bizarre to me. Yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's because, especially the fan base of Georgia, you get so heavily invested with recruiting, recruiting is a big deal, and we all know it. I mean, we 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 follow these kids when they're freshmen and sophomores and juniors and seniors in high school, and you know we all care about how many stars they have to the name, and oh, we got this you know four star kid or this five star kid, especially at the quarterback position. 
you know, because you know, if you got the, uh, you know, that type of player, the Mannings of the world, as we all saw what happened with Texas, you know, guys start to follow him. Receivers start to come, tight ends and offensive linemen. They all kind of gravitate once you get that four and five star guy. So fans are invested and we have a top dude. We have someone that's going to be able to come in, start as a freshman, start as a sophomore. They're going to be our guy. They're going to be a, uh, a Heisman type quarterback. They're going to lead us to a championship. And Stetson doesn't fit that mold. Stetson was not heavily recruited. Obviously came to Georgia, left Georgia uh, as a walk-on, came back earned a scholarship, was really like the fourth or fifth string quarterback, was then given the job, won it, really had a, I thought, a pretty good season his first year. You know, he definitely made some mistakes, definitely some deep ball inaccuracies, but I thought made some massive strides forward heading into last season. This is still with, with you know, really not an opportunity to be the guy in the offseason. Never got any reps for the first team in spring and summer, fall camp. Barely got any number two reps, really. And then all of a sudden, you're just giving the keys to the car and say, hey, go win some football games for us. So to me, what he's done with less when it comes to reps, when it comes to, you know, last year, a very young and inexperienced receiving core with a good running game, not a great running game, a good running game. I'm not going to say it was a bad one, but it wasn't kind of the elite running game that we've we're been accustomed to seeing Georgia have. And yes, he did benefit from a, a one of the best defenses we've seen in, in the past 10, 15 plus years. I mean, it was absolutely amazing what we saw on that side of the football, but still he was very accurate. He took care of the football. Uh, he, he used his legs when he needed to. He was the MVP in, in, in both the game for Michigan and in the national championship. He made some big time plays in those games. So Yes, I, I'm excited to see what he can do with the full offseason of getting all the necessary timing down with his receivers and, and actually having receivers that are a little bit more uh, experienced within the system. The tight ends are extremely experienced and look pretty darn good. Uh, he has some weapons around him. I think this is a team this year that could be pretty explosive on that side of the football. And, and, and yeah, I hope uh, Stetson loves it and, and he loves it. He's a massive chip on his shoulder. He loves all this negativity that's surrounding him still. I hope he goes out there and shuts up the critics and throws like 30 plus touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how he hasn't already. And just to piggyback off that, like I, I don't think this is an over-exaggeration. If he does it again, he's getting a statue in Athens. Like that, that's, that's the pedestal. I mean, you would know what it's like to be the star quarterback. Yeah. This dude's going to have a statue next to Kirby Smart's statue for winning the title. I mean, that's just what happens in the SEC. And the former walk-on's going to be immortalized in that way. But yet, it's just kind of glossed over because he's not the Heisman finalist. It's, it's a really strange scenario that we don't see often, that we beg for. And it's right. It's happening right here in front of our eyes. But he, he doesn't command the room either. You know, well, That's fair so, too, yeah. He doesn't like the attention. He doesn't like... Uh, you know, walking in and everyone asking for pictures and autographs. That's not him. Like he's just not used to that world. Uh, you know, he's not a big guy. Like I said, he doesn't like walk in the room and everyone's like, oh my God, Stetson Bennett's here. <laughs> it's just, that's not his personality. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, he's a guy that shows up to work every single day, works his tail off, uh, demands perfection from himself, from his teammates, guys on the team respect him, the coaching staff respects him. There's a reason why. Kirby Smart stayed with Stetson even when JT came back healthy. He saw the, 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 the beat and the pulse of his team and said this team is willing to follow Stetson. And people don't understand that like part of being a quarterback isn't necessarily can I throw the ball 70 yards? Can I run a 4-4? Can I do this? Can I do that? Can you make guys around you better? Can you put guys in a position to succeed around you? And I, I bring up Payne Manning. Payne Manning's last few years in the NFL – you know, could throw the ball 40, 45 yards. 
I mean, he, he admitted it. I mean, he just could not, did not have the same arm strength uh, as he did early on and definitely was probably the, probably had the weakest arm in the NFL. If you would go out there and just do a, a, a combine with all the NFL quarterbacks, you would say, who would pick Payne Man to be their starting quarterback? Yet he won a Super Bowl late in his career. You know why? Because he outworked everyone and because he made everyone around him better. He put everyone else in a better situation because of the way he prepared. And that's what Stetson does. And, and not saying Stetson can't make all the throws. I think Stetson can make every throw you possibly want. I think his mobility, like I said earlier, is tremendous. But Stetson knows how to make the left tackle to the right tackle to the offensive, uh, the, the, the running back to the receivers to the tight ends play to a higher level, which makes the team better. Former Georgia QB, college football analyst, Aaron Murray, our guest. So you retweeted a list of the top 10 quarterbacks in the SEC. Unclear where – oh, it's a 24-7 list. Mm. It had uh, Stetson Bennett eighth. You you modified it where you would have put – it sounded like Bryce Young first, Will Levis second, maybe Hendon Hooker third, and you would have yep. moved Stetson to fourth. Yeah, I like Stetson in the top five for sure. Uh, I mean, he's the only one on that list that has a national championship trophy. And I keep hitting on the part, and I will continue to hit on this. He did. Get, I, I went to scrimmages for the past few years. I'd go watch Georgia, whether it's spring or fall camp, and I go watch. And you know, JT's getting the reps, Carson Beck's getting the reps, this guy, Brock Vanderbilt's getting the reps. All these guys are getting reps, and Stetson's just sitting there, just all right. I'm here if you need me. You know, everyone goes in for like a mini halftime. Stetson stays out there with essentially the walk-ons and the freshmen and gets 10 minutes to get some, some opportunity to get some tape out there for the coaches. And then that's it. I mean, he literally had no opportunity to really compete for that job. JT gets hurt. Carson wasn't going to be the guy. Carson really did not perform well there on Monday, Tuesday at practice. And they're like, okay, I guess we got to, I guess we got to give Stetson the job. And he goes out there, I believe it was versus UAB, throws, what, five touchdowns. Like, okay, well, let's see what he can do as a full-time starter now. Like, what he did without a legitimate chance to be uh, as comfortable as he needs to be in that offense is, is absolutely mind-blowing and, and, and crazy uh, to, to sit back and see, knowing that how much it took for me to get ready first season, all the reps that I took with our starting receivers, to feel very comfortable within the side of that system. Um, so, yeah, I think Stetson, like I said, has all the tools – has the arm strength, has the mobility. The one thing that that is a little bit of a red flag for me when you watch this game, he's a little bit too much of a risk taker at times. And the the really good quarterbacks and the great quarterbacks have to have that mentality that you feel like you can make every single throw. You have to have that gunslinger mentality. You know, you look at Patrick Mahomes, but Setson also has to humble himself and know that he's not Patrick Mahomes. Like he can't be rolling out to the right thinking he can throw across his body. And, and be able to complete passes. You have to know when the defense won, when to get down, when to throw the ball away. These are some of the things that hopefully he went back, watched the film, learned from. If he can make those corrections this year because they're going to need him to take care of the football. Yes, I think Stetson's definitely a top five quarterback in this league. And that's that's saying something. I mean, you look at that list, you could probably make a case for a lot of those guys to be in the top five. It is a league stacked with quarterbacks this year. I'm super excited to see all of them play, but uh, you know, only one of them has a national championship right now. Longer range Georgia quarterback question. How, A, surprised were you, and B, disappointed were you or or was Georgia when Arch Manning chose Texas? I, listen, I, 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 to me, I thought he would, gone, you know, would have gone to Alabama. I know they had another kid committed there. I thought that would have been probably the best spot for him. I, 
I'm not completely surprised. I mean, you look at Georgia's room right now and you, know, you look at Gunner and you look at Carson and you look at, you know, Brock, you're like, man, they got some really good quarterbacks that are in there. You know, I, I always tell young quarterbacks, like you shouldn't worry about who's ahead of you. You should always worry about who's behind you because if the guy beats you out behind you, then you're out of luck. You got to, you know, got to hit that transfer portal. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with competition, but obviously when you look at Georgia and what they've built, at that quarterback spot, it kind of worries you a little bit. And Georgia a little bit behind the times when it comes to putting top-tier talent in the NFL at the quarterback and receiving position. You know, George Pickens is a, a phenomenal talent, but really uh, did not perform to his, his, I would say, top capabilities these past few years at Georgia. Uh, they haven't had a first-round draft pick at the quarterback position since Matthew Stafford. Uh, they haven't had an elite receiver taken in a while either. You look at some of these other schools, and you obviously you look at what Sark did at Alabama with the quarterback spot, with the receiving position, and you kind of say, okay, if I want to go somewhere where you know I could be the guy, possibly early, you know, you have the opportunity at Texas. Um, you know, Georgia just needs to start putting better talent into the NFL when it comes to receivers and quarterbacks in order to be able to sell that consistently to recruits down the line. And I think they have, they, like I said, they have that talent in that locker room. I don't know if Stetson's going to be an NFL guy, um, but obviously he's a great college quarterback, but I do think a guy like Carson Beck, who I'm anticipating to be his number two quarterback and going to be the front runner to be the quarterback next season. Uh, he has all the tools you want, not only to succeed at this level, but I think at the NFL level as well. And, and plus they got some pretty good young receivers, guys like A.D. Mitchell, and then obviously that tight end group uh, that are going to make a lot of noise here in the next couple of years as they get ready for the NFL as well. We're visiting with Aaron Murray. Uh, Aaron, you were at Georgia when A.J. Green was suspended in the spring for selling his jersey, a signed jersey. And we are in an era now where we have Lane Kiffin yesterday proposing a salary cap for NIL and Texas Tech is handing out $25,000 scholarships per player. The insanity with this is incredible. And that was 2010. It's not like I'm referencing something. You mentioned Manning earlier. You, you broke a lot of Peyton's records. It's not like I'm referencing the 90s here. I'm, I'm referencing literally uh, a little over a decade ago. Yeah, it's uh, good for these kids. You know, I wish I played. That's for, that's for damn sure. Uh, you know what? You know, In fact, follow up that we uh, Clay and I were on Radio Row one year. I, I forgot which one this was, but we had these wristbands. I don't know what company it was, but one of them. You know, I'm sure they made a Georgia one. And I remember you coming by. You wanted one, but you wouldn't take it because you didn't yeah. want an NCAA violation. I mean, that that was. I mean, and think about where we are now. It's, it's just crazy. I mean, you, you brought up AJ. Obviously, Todd Gurley got in trouble, I believe it was the year after I, I graduated from the University of Georgia. And uh, it, it's just unfortunate. You know, AJ lost four, four games to his final year at Georgia. You know, I would have loved to have him for those four games, that's for sure. Uh, we started off that year one and three. I guarantee if we had AJ Green, there's a good chance we could have been <laughs> yeah. four and oh for sure. So um, I, I'm happy for these kids. I'm a little bit concerned of the way that things are going with, with, with NIL, you know, I, what it was intended to be, I was all for, you know, if you're a baller, you have an opportunity to go out there and get deals, whether it's with a local restaurant or car dealership, or if you're that big, maybe you get a deal with like Gatorade or Nike or, you know, whatever, like that, that is what NIL was supposed to be. You know, what it's turned into now where essentially these collectives are just getting money to, to pay players, uh, and then obviously use that to then recruit players, whether it's to the transfer portal or it's, it's the high school rankings to me is taking it too far. That's not what NIL was intended to be. 
obviously these groups have found a way to bend the rules a little bit or not even bend the rules. They're, they're following the rules. They're not breaking any laws exactly. here, but I just don't like it. I'm sorry. I don't like it. I like what it was intended to be, what it has turned to be now, I think has gone way, way, way too far. Um, the rich will continue to get richer. Those schools that don't have those big uh, support groups, these collectives uh, will continue to, to, to suffer and fall behind. And it's unfortunate. Um but it's, it's kind of the direction we're heading in is it's you either have a group, a collective that can do what Texas Tech did and raise enough funds to pay the entire team, or you're going to lose players in the transfer portal and you're going to lose players in the recruiting process. And, and that's not what it should be. I'm curious about the, the, the follow-up seasons to some good years we saw across the league from quarterbacks going into 2022. An example, and I'll, I'll tie in A.J. Green again. Uh, when you lost a talent like that, you're able to retool and you go on to the next guy that comes in and you've got a number one receiver, but not A.J. Green-like at Georgia. Uh, what is K.J. Jefferson up against? Traylon Burks is now playing for the Tennessee Titans. What is it like to try as, a, a, as the guy on campus to retool within an offense with a guy that you know is going to be there down in, down out for you? God, I mean, I, I had an opportunity to cover K.J. and, and that offense twice last year down the stretch in November you know, KJ, I think was like about a 75% completion per guy. I mean, he was, he was on fire, but you said anytime Trey Lennon was one-on-one, -on -one, you knew where the ball was going. And, and you could watch film of, of us back in 2010 with AJ. And anytime we lined up AJ backside, if I knew it was a single high safety, I'm taking my chance with AJ all day long. It's, it's a one-on-one -on -one with AJ. We're going with it. And Trey Lennon was such a, a huge part of that offense, whether it was in the past game, getting him jet sweeps, moving him around, you know where, 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 where Browse wanted to go with the football. And there's nothing wrong with that. I would too. So, you know, KJ leaned on it as he should. Now it's like, all right, KJ, if you want to take an opportunity to take your game to the next level, how do you, how do you incorporate all your receivers? How do you then go to a guy that was just focused on working on one side of the field to being able to see the entire field? being able to see safeties rotate, be able to work your eyes from right to left and left to right. So if he's able to do that with his size, with his ability to throw the football uh, and his ability to run, you know, Arkansas can, can continue to win games and continue to make an impact on a very tough division. But, you know, I'm a little bit worried about Arkansas, honestly. You know, you look at, you know, obviously losing Traylon, you, you look at what they lost at the linebacker position. You look at some of the guys that transferred to LSU in the secondary. And I know they, they hit the portal pretty good themselves, um, but this is a team to me that may take a step back, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, Sam Pittman has built this team for long, you know, success for a long, long time. I love him as a head coach, but I just think it's going to be hard to replicate what they did last year. I think it's going to be a little bit hard for KJ to replicate what he did at towards the end of last season as well. I honestly thought the way November and December played out, if I was KJ, I would have taken a chance and gone to the NFL. You know, with with the, the the group of quarterbacks that were leaving to go to the draft, when you look at the success of a guy like Jalen Hurts there at Philadelphia, to me he reminds me a lot of Jalen. I think he's a you know possibly a better player than Jalen, bigger, stronger, faster, uh, and I think a bigger arm. So you know, I would have taken my chance last year, knowing that I'm not going to have you know Traylon Burks this year. Final thing for you in the way out. I know you're you're doing great things as a as an analyst, and our listeners and viewers can certainly see it here. But you, you did, after your NFL career, play in the Alliance and then the XFL briefly before those leagues folded. Did you consider the USFL? No, I'm done. You're done? <laughs> no. Was yeah, no, uh, the body was done. I uh, also asked her, the XFL was awesome. I'll tell you what, the XFL did it right. I'm excited to see you know what they do coming back next year. 
you know, the way they treat the players, the coaches, the facilities, everything was top notch. Uh, and I know the rocks can do a hell of a job yeah. when, when you go in. Uh, so it was unfortunate that that league just unfortunate, you know, the, with the, you know, pandemic hitting, but uh, yeah, no, you know, in the middle, you know, beginning of the pandemic, I had a son. Uh, so now, you know, daddy duty. And, okay. You know, I love, I love playing golf too much. So, you know. <laughs> And you've got no cool chance. events like uh, uh, later this weekend at the, the College Football Hall of Fame, which we've retweeted. Great catching up with you, man. We appreciate the time. Great perspective, as always. We knew it would be. And uh, hopefully we can do this again soon. I appreciate it. Y'all have a great week. Yeah, Thank you. Same to you. There's Aaron Murray, former Georgia quarterback, um, all-time leading passer in the SEC. He's done it in yards and touchdown passes. Uh, phenomenal career. And um, only 31. That's why I bring up the USFL, because he, he tried to keep it going, and now he's doing great things in the media. Coming up, Clark Lee joins us, head coach of the Vanderbilt Commodores next, and now Kick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Outkick 360 continues from 6th and Peabody. Jonathan Hutton with you. Paul Koharski alongside. Chad Withrow with the week off. He's back with us on Monday. He's missing a busy week. SEC Media Days going on in Atlanta. And we head back down to Atlanta for the Outkick setup. Vanderbilt head coach Clark Lee joins us on the show. Coach, great to have you back on, man. And thank you for making time for us. Awesome to be with you. I just wish I was sitting there in studio, to be honest with you. Hey, we've got plenty of options here, uh, <laughs> there in Atlanta as well. So uh, uh, make, a, make it a quick trip, and you can join us tomorrow if you'd like. There we go. Um, I like Hey, I, I watched your, um, your address earlier this morning at the, in the big room, the main podium. How much time did you put into that? Um, because it was very thought out. I, I could tell that you were being very deliberate with some of the, the sentences that you used. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an opportunity for me to share the message that I want to share about where we are as a program. And I don't want to leave it to chance that, you know, I'm going to get asked the questions that I want to be asked that gives me an opportunity to talk about it. Um, so I, I take time. I mean, I think it's part of my job and my responsibility building a program is to is to be intentional with words and to to make sure that uh, that uh, people, the Vanderbilt community, our team, our staff, they all hear the same message. And so um 
yeah, we, we spent time on that. I spent some time on that, but, um, you know, um, you know, not too much. I, I've, I've had a chance that we were in Disney world. I've been on uh, yeah, a little history vacation with my son. I've done some other things too this summer. Yeah. And I, we're going to have uh, your quarterback on a bit later in the show, Mike Wright, but you ran into him at Disney world. I think it was a bizarre situation, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. We actually got a little, we got in trouble. So he was with, uh, a few of the other, his teammates and, um, security came out because I guess we were too loud when we, when we were interacting, but we were excited. It was, uh, kind of one of those moments that uh, caught us all off guard. Is that when you told him that he was the starting quarterback or was, <laughs> no. or was it prior to that? Prior to that. Uh, okay. But uh, <laughs> yeah, certainly uh, that would have uh, probably, probably delivered the same emotion from him. Is it important that you, you tell the guys now ahead of practice starting to, to get into the regular season and you wanted to put it to bed that, that you had a starting quarterback, a guy who was going to take the first snap? It, it was important to us to do that at the end of spring. I, I, part of that was just to alleviate the anxiety around wondering. Um, and we all, you know, there's, there's obviously strategic advantage for team building to, to know who that person's going to be heading in the fall, but we're, we're really um, deliberate about, you know, making sure that part of our covenants, you know, one of our covenants is earn it every day. And Mike knows that he's got to, he's got to continue to earn that. That's not something that's just going to be given to him. And, you know, Ken knows that it's still it's still his to go after, and I want to I want to really give credit to Ken Seals. I mean, you know, it, we had a hard conversation with them after spring practice, um, and that's someone that I obviously care tr- a tremendous amount about. Uh, but um, you know, he didn't flinch, and I think um, anymore, you know, the the majority of people when they face that level of adversity, they 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 tend to steer right or steer left. But he just. He, he determined himself to stay right on his course and, and um, you know, be a great team leader for us and, and again, continue to compete for that job. So um, that gave us a chance at least to give them some peace of mind around what that role may be, uh, to know where they're positioned, and also to give them a chance to focus on team building in the summer rather than competing with each other. And I've been pleased with both of their progress, both as players um, in their training this summer, but also as, as leaders and teammates. I want to briefly pick up on that because, you know, he played discussing Kenny Sills. He played his freshman year and then you enter the, the, the picture and he's learning a new offense, trying to earn your respect. Same as Mike Wright. Um, and just look across the SEC and all the transfer portal movement uh, at any position, but specifically quarterback. Yeah. And Sills decides to stick around. That, that's the unusual part for me is that he didn't go into the portal. Well, I think that that's, you know, um, that's abnormal for this day and age, but I think it speaks to his character and his toughness and his, the belief in himself too. I mean, he's not, he's not returning just to martyr himself. He's returning to, to fight for what he wants, but, um, he believes in our program. He believes, um, in his teammates and, you know, um, I just, I, I, I can't, I would, we'd be talking all day if, you know, the level of respect I have for him and how he's attacking it. And then also to recognize that a year ago, that hard conversation was with Mike Wright. So you see a guy that continued to, to progress and to climb and to go after what he wanted. And, you know, he battled adversity a year ago and, and, um, for, for them both and really the freshmen too. And it's, it's about them being ready when their number's called and you just never know when that'll be. On the broader issue of team building, I, I'm really curious about how, uh, you're looking at, at some opponents that have really turned on the faucet in terms of the transfer portal. Um, uh, others more conventionally uh, 
probably like you um, with the traditional team building where you, where you recruit and you let guys grow in your program. What do you think the chemistry difference is there where, um, you know, what one team might be bringing guys up through the program and another team is, is splashing in um, a, a bunch of guys coming from disparate backgrounds uh, and team experience? Well, I think there's a lot unknown about kind of the new strategies around um, building teams through the portal and the the lag effect of that, you know. Um, and so we, we, we feel like we're building this program to sustain success. And, and a part of that to us is recruiting and retaining a roster so that we can develop that roster. And we want retention to be a strategic advantage. And, you know, I didn't anticipate the level of transaction that would that would come to define kind of the landscape that we sit in. But um, yeah, I can't help but believe that doesn't that doesn't create market differentiation for us. Like we're we're, you know, we are going to be unique, and and it fits with who we are as a university and as a program. And so, um, for me, it's it's just about being true to true to ourselves, being true to our identity. Um, you know, it will use the portal to to um, to plug holes in the roster to make sure that we're going to be as competitive as we can possibly be, but. We're not going to lead with that as a way to build a roster because we want uh, sustained uh, incremental growth that over time in a volatile market, I think will lead to a team that's um, can become a force in our conference. What's the status of your facility uh, building? Uh, I'm, I'm lost for words here. What, the, uh, the the progress yeah. of, of your, your new projects. Well, we have um, we've finally been kicked off our game field, and they're they're uh, it's under construction right now. They're doing some some work in the um, in the north end zone, um, so they can start get started on uh, what what will cap that north end zone side of our our field. Uh, that'll be the basketball practice facility and some luxury seats that'll 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 be uh, facing towards our stadium, and then. Um, after the season, they'll be they'll begin the the, the teardown and the build on our south end zone. Uh, so it's all it's all kind of you know lining up um, the way we wanted it to. It's exciting to see that that process begin. You know, I think we're all all of us are anxiously awaiting. And I think uh, if you would have if you would have given Candace and I a shovel and a pickaxe, we would have been over there starting the work ourselves. But you know, I think patience is important right now. It's coming. Uh, we want to make sure that it's designed to not just be something that serves us in the short term, but be something that, you know, over time ages really well. And um, I think anytime you're going to start construction on a site that hasn't been touched in decades, you're going to find things that you got to adjust around too. But um, we'll uh, we'll have a great plan in the in the in between where we're you know, um, dealing with facility loss because of the projects. Um, we'll make sure we're taking care of our team and able to build a program through the process. Vanderbilt head coach Clark Lee, our guest on Outkick 360. Coach, I, I was thinking about this last night um, and knowing that you had the, the, the podium this morning. And I, I was curious, so the, the winless streak right now, which part you, partly you inherited in the SEC is at 21 games. And from your perspective, do you address that? Do you use that as a motivating factor at all? Or do you approach it as if, you know what, we're out of sight, out of mind. I'm not going to make this a big deal to my roster during the offseason or going into the first conference game. It, it, you briefly touched on it this morning. I felt like yeah. you, you said the word um, necessary. Last year was necessary yeah. uh, for the hardships that you guys went through. So I'm assuming you do talk about it with your team. Well, what, what I... 
what I was referencing when I said that <clears throat> this idea that once you commit yourself totally to something, the universe aligns with you. So, you know, when, when you, when you're totally committed to building a program, when you're totally committed to the vision that uh, Vanderbilt football is going to reach its potential. And we believe that potential to be great. Once you're totally committed to that, you're not victimized or, or sent off course by adversity. You, you understand that that adversity is perfectly positioned for you. And so what you then have to do is shift and say, okay, what, what is this telling me about where we are and where we need to go? And so um, I don't see, th though the year was painful, I don't see that adversity as, as being something that, um, that takes us off course. I see that as being the course, right? Is that, if that makes sense, as far as yeah. your, your, your question, we don't, we don't spend any time. I mean, I, I don't even, it doesn't even enter my thought process, um, any kind of streak or any kind of, because our goal is not to win one sec game. You know, we're going to, when we win games, we're going to celebrate them all the same and we're going to shift our attention to the next, uh, opponent. But, and we will celebrate them. So don't, don't worry about that. But sure. the, the goal then is, you know, what, what is, you gotta, we have to look at this from a bigger picture thought process of what is it that we're building? If we want to build a dominant program in this league. Well, a dominant program in this league doesn't pay attention to one SEC game. A dominant program in this league pays attention to playing at its highest level. And uh, whether you win or lose, you're learning and you're applying forward for continued growth. And so, we we just don't we don't spend time on on individual outcomes or things that we don't control. Obviously, we're going to focus you know perfectly on our team design and our our play design and our execution. And again, hopefully, over time, we get a level of consistency and confidence where you know um, you know these topics don't come up. But I you know I understand why they do. It's just we we just don't spend a lot of time and attention on if that makes sense. Long way between where you are and the dominant program that you want to be. So how do you kind of break it down into pieces where where you get the, the first one that sets you on the course you want to be on? It takes such a disciplined focus day in and day out. You know, we can't, I can't wake up tomorrow and decide to be something outside the framework of the course that I've set moving forward. And so, um, you know, every day we have to make sure that our developmental systems are optimized, that we are surrounding and immersing our players in an experience that's transformative. Um, and again, we measure progress in every way. I mean, it's not just about how much someone run or bench presses or how fast they run, you know, like are, is our team going to class? Do they, are they paying attention to detail, taking pride in everything they do? Once you have people that value the experience they're part of, they're going to go further in actualizing the performance that we want long-term. Um, and young people are resilient. You know, young people want to be led by someone who has a vision for excellence at the highest level and that speaks that vision into existence every single day. And we don't spend time, you know, we, we have a slide, we start every team meeting and it has every, it's a, it's a stage, there's confetti, it's got every bold trophy um, accessible for an SEC team, including the SEC championship and the national championship. And we start intentionally that way because we want to create a vision for what we're after and we don't want to we don't want to make it ever about anything other than success at the highest level we don't then turn from that slide and go you know take 25 pound dumbbells and work on pressing them above our head to to practice what it'll be like to lift those trophies you know we shift our attention to what the next thing is that we need to do the right way to keep the march going towards you know what the program vision is and so 
it's a methodical process. It takes discipline. It takes focus. Um, but uh, again, it's, it's, um, it's part of the fun and the challenge. And, and I've got a team of guys that are, that are excited for it, that believe in what we're doing. And, and to me, it just doesn't get better. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I think when I go to work every day, I work with people that I care about. Um, I, I get the chance to set up a course for a program where our families are involved and I am engaging with some of the brightest young people in our country and I'm at a place that I believe in. And so I don't know that life gets better. And, um, you know, at, over time, we'll build this thing into the program that we know it can be, but I'm, I'm enjoying every step of the way. Former Vandy player and Vanderbilt head coach, Clark Lee, our guest on Outkick 360. I see the trip to Hawaii on the schedule to open up, and I, that makes sense. I mean, you, you have the trip to Hawaii against uh, the Rainbows there. But, but Northern Illinois, uh, the two group of five opponents, Coach, uh, on the road, uh, which gives them some added benefit uh, in, in some way. I know, you know, scheduling happens years in advance, but the, your schedule is already tough as it is, and now the group of fives are, are on the road this year. So it's um it's you know it's it's all out outside of the control. Obviously, we you know we open at Hawaii, and that game is going to come down to a lot more than just the talent on the field. It's the maturity we have in preparation to be ready to throw the first punch, or how are we going to handle the tra- travel? Are we going to be acclimated by the time we're playing? Um, you know, we, we see it as an opportunity, though. You know, I thought one of our when, when, you know, in review of the season last year, and it doesn't take, you know, a head coach to figure this out, but we, we didn't start fast in any of the games we played last season. It was, it was always flow out of the gate. Well, we have to get that redirected immediately. And, you know, the, the outcome of that first game hinges on that. I think there's also an opportunity in the trip where um, we have a chance to bond as a team. And, and that certainly can impact how we play in that first game. But I think that's also an experience that we can pull from, um, moving forward, th- forward as we as we evolve the team through the season. So um, you you just constantly look at these these issues and find the find the ways to see them as um, you know um, uh, good things and positives and and things you can build upon. And that's what we're going to do. Uh, that includes the trip up to uh, Northern Illinois uh, to play the defending MAC champion. You know, <laughs> and uh, again for us, it's just at some point you have to kind of release all those external factors and and just and just have the discipline to focus on are we doing what we need to do to become the best team that we can be and i know that's cliche but um you know actualizing that mindset is is really really hard and if we can do that we have the pieces we need to be successful but we cannot line up this fall and play two opponents we can't play play the opponent across the field we can't create an opponent on our sideline. We have to have all our systems focused on our best performance. Well, and you've, you've got year one behind you and laying that foundation and that message to, to get the buy-in that you want. Uh, Coach Clark Lee has been our guest. Thank you for the time. By the way, I was expecting more pinstripes this year. Uh, you went with the solid. I don't know if that was your decision, but uh, it's same color scheme at least. That's right. I, I, we still did the light colored suit. You know, I wanted to. Uh, I wanted the conversation to be less around my suit and more around my program vision. So, <laughs> well, uh, it was about the suit last year. To be honest, we were discussing right, that on the right. show. That's right. Hey, uh, tell everyone we said hello. And by the way, if you want to pick up on the conversation, uh, we're, we have a seat open for you tomorrow in studio uh, back here in Nashville. I'll look forward to it. I'll be over there soon. Uh, good to cool. see you guys. Thanks. Thank you so much. All right. There's Vanderbilt head coach Clark Lee. Uh, again, they opened the season. Paul, you, the, the dreaded week zero. Uh, they should yeah. just call it week one, but they're the only game. 
the official kickoff to the college football season is in Hawaii, Vanderbilt on the road, um, and that will be right towards the end of August. So they're about to, to begin uh, their, their practice to get everything ready. Stadium that's soon to be torn down. And, uh, yeah, with the hope that they get the Pro Bowl back. Yeah, it's been a few years since they've had new. that. Now. That, that, uh, that's not a good. Uh, it wasn't a good venue when I was there in the turn of the century. Um, so I, I don't know that they've poured a lot of resources well, into that since. At the turn of the century, the <laughs> Nissan Stadium was one of the, one of the newer Cutting facilities. Edge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Our thanks to Clark Lee for joining us. Stick stick with us. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube channel as well, and on these great uh, radio affiliates wherever you may be listening. Live coverage throughout the afternoon from SEC Media Days. This is Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Been a fun show covering all things SEC. That will continue tomorrow. We're scheduled to be joined by Kentucky quarterback Will Levis on the program. Mr. College Football Tony Barnhart will be on the show as well. Always a great chat with him. Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college football playoff, one of the nicest, genuine guys in the game. He'll be with us tomorrow as well. It's going to be a fun show, and uh, we're just getting started on the guest list. Uh, Frank Frangie, uh, voice of the Jaguars, and others will be on the program. We started the show today, Paul, uh, discussing with Trey Wallace, Nick Saban's comments at the podium, and Trey was watching it live and said, man, I, I'll be honest with you guys, I was thinking about, what well, is he going to be around in five years whenever all this expansion happens? Well, well, Trey, I don't know if he's responding to you. In fact, he's not. He's responding to other coaches around the conference, but Saban who is one of two FBS coaches, uh, 70 years old. The two oldest coaches are uh, Nick Saban and Mac Brown. Mac Brown has him beat by a couple of months, I believe. Um, here's the quote from Saban. I love the relationships with the players. I love the competition, the preparation for the games. I just love it. This is on SEC Network. I wish you would ask all the other coaches who come up here because they tell recruits, I'm going to retire Ask them how they know I'm going to retire when all I think about is what I'm going to do if I retire because I love what I'm doing now. So how am I going to be happy not coaching? Second oldest in the conference, by the way, is Mike Leach at 61. So if you're not a fan of Alabama, you're like, man, we just got to, have to weather uh, a couple more years of Saban and then the, the Crimson Tide, they have to figure it out. Saban says, you know what? I'm not leaving. I don't see him as a guy who would retire. I see him as a guy who uh, would die without it. Yeah. You know, the two two yeah. kind of classifications of people. You look at him and you think this guy is going to run out of gas or needs life without without it. And then there's another classification, a guy that you feel like uh, he would die without it. And I, I certainly 
it's not like you know the people personally, but from the way they carry themselves, uh, I, I would put Saban in that second class. I'm no not doubt. To hear him, not surprised to hear him speak like that. Well, the one the one that comes to mind for me is Paterno. Yeah, you know, Paterno as soon as he was out, he was dead. I mean, and, and that's it's sad. And he to was think caught about, scandal but, with it, but well, yeah, but I mean, he he officially left the job and then was done right months later. Very short. Um, yeah, and I, I I look at it, you know, it's it's terrible to think about but there are perfect i mean this goes on with uh relationships you know one of the two passes away and then they lose that spark and the other one uh in, is is very uh, near uh, all that um the professions not just with with coaches, coaches yep. but you know someone that has started from the ground and has built a business and then turns things over and they're they're done with their life's work. Right, um, kind of feel purposeless. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. Saban is going to coach as long as he possibly can, and he's not just going to go hang out on the lake. I look forward to retirement and travel and uh, all of, all of the things that come with it. I hope I'm set. I plan to be set up for all of that. Well, they. I mean, well, he certainly is. Yeah. <laughs> not not to the level that Saban set up for. Oh, I'm know, not going to go park a yacht like uh, Daniel Snyder. Uh, Mark Stoops is the uh, second behind in terms of tenure for the league uh, in Saban's uh, hierarchy here. He's 55 years old. I mean, it's in, in a way, it's it's certainly not a 70-year-old's game, but it's not an old man's game either. If you start looking around and you think of the coaches, the coaches have been around a while, but it's not like they're 60 years plus, right? It's It is a young man's game in many ways. Well, especially with the... I think I think young guys are harder to relate to now. Yeah, uh, the, the generation gap between the kids you're recruiting and, and you is harder um, than ever, I would imagine. And then the NIL and the off-season stuff and the extra layers of it. I know you're delegating some of that, but you got to have your finger on the pulse of more things than ever. I think it's got to be more exhausting than ever. All-star game tonight. We look forward to watching pieces of that. I'm not going to pretend that i'm sitting through all nine innings we but know who's winning that our yeah, league is the winning al that. the al will be winning that they win every year uh we're just thankful at least we we assume that it doesn't have anything to do with the postseason <laughs> but who knows it does not who knows um we are back at it tomorrow full coverage from sec media Day. doesn't end with the show here you can go to outkick.com for all of the headlines glenn gilbo and trey wallace have you covered Join us tomorrow, 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern. We'll be live with SEC Media Day's coverage for Outkick 360. Don't block the box. Be sure to lock your lock.